Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove and welcome to summer. Today is Monday. I'm recording this monologue today for release on Tuesday. So, <laughs> I have gone through my complete backlog because I've been traveling. Uh, for those of you who might be curious, I went back to visit the city where I used to live just a short six months ago in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, there I got to see uh, wonderful play, Hamilton. Hamilton has taken Broadway theater to a whole new level. I used to think this is crazy. People are paying $1,000 for tickets in New York. But now, having seen the play, I understand why. It's going to become a a real classic, just the way that West Side Story has become a classic, or South Pacific has become a major Broadway classic. Hamilton is destined for that, or Phantom of the Opera. It's just a magnificent piece of theater. And while I was in Las Vegas, I got to hear Aaron Neville perform as as well, one of the great greatest, one of the greatest vocalists ever to appear in the pop music scene. And even though I think he's 77 years old now, it was just magnificent to hear him. He doesn't quite have the pipes, I think, that he used to have. But what technique, what style. So, uh, the thing is, my summer is probably like yours. I have some travel scheduled, and that's going to make it a little difficult for me to keep up with these daily monologues. In fact, on top of the travel uh, that I have scheduled, I am preparing a course. Uh, and the course is titled William James and the Science of Consciousness. It is a course for an organization called the Holmes Institute. I've been teaching for the Holmes Institute now for, I think, over 20 years. I, um, it's <laughs> for over 20 years. It's a uh, organization, a distant learning accredited college program that offers master's degrees for ministers in training with a, a church called the Centers for Spiritual Living. Used to be known as the United Church of Religious Science and the International Church of Religious Science. Many decades ago, these, this organization had a schism and, and it was split into two separate organizations. Now they've reunited and in so doing, have changed their name from the Church of Religious Science. The publishers, for those of you who may be curious, of the Mind Science magazine, now it is known as the Centers for Spiritual Living. And my course on parapsychology is one of the regular courses that is taken by, uh, I think, everyone or almost everyone who receives a minister's degree through that church. Now, I'm not a member of the church. I'm not much of a joiner. I <laughs> describe myself in other monologues as basically a secular Jew. Uh, but I'm very fond of, of these people. They have uh, ongoing, uh, they're called religious science practitioners, or they used to be called that. They're healers. They train lay members of the church to uh, practice the art of psychic and spiritual healing. And they have 
uh, healers at work 24 hours a day is my understanding, sending healing thoughts. So it's going to be a little erratic for me uploading both the video conversations and the in-presence monologues over the summer. And I hope you'll be patient with me. We'll get back on a regular schedule in, in the fall once again. And I'm going to do my best to keep these uploads coming as rapidly as I can. I just don't think it's realistic that I'll be keeping up the same pace. So um, bear with me over the summer. But what I will try to do in order to keep things going is to take advantage of the fact that I'm developing this course and include some of the material that will go into the course lectures as part of the uploads. And uh, an interesting place to start today is on what is known as the New England or American Transcendentalist Movement because uh, you can't really understand William James without understanding the American transcendentalists, the New England transcendentalists. This is a very important uh, philosophical and literary movement. It had a major influence on uh, William James and his whole family. And uh, it's very important in terms of understanding American culture because this is really Native American mysticism. I'm talking about the uh, school of thought that included uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, and uh, many other writers. In fact, it spawned uh, several churches. It, it spawned the uh, Christian science movement. It spawned the uh, Unity Church. It spawned the Church of Religious Science. All of that came out of what was known as the New Thought Movement, which was closely aligned with the American Transcendentalist Movement. It came out of New England in the uh, middle of the 19th century, or the latter half of the 19th century. And what you had there are uh, basic ideas that people can change their lives by changing the way they think. You can change your life by changing your attitudes, your beliefs, and your thought patterns. That's, that's the fundamental <laughs> of it right there. I'm just giving you new thought in a nutshell. It's not as if you have to subscribe to any dogmas but it's about thinking positively. It's about giving yourself positive mental suggestions. You could say it's an outgrowth of mesmerism, an outgrowth of hypnosis. In fact, really one of the leading figures of this movement, a very obscure fellow named Phineas Quimby, he practiced hypnosis. And he, in, in fact, hypnotized Mary Baker Eddy, who then founded the Church of Christian Science. And uh, it was out of Quimby's work that uh, these other religious movements developed as well. So uh, then the question is, well, what is the relationship between new thought, positive thinking, in other words, like uh, Emile Couet in France was a a psychologist of, of sorts at that time who developed this phrase, every day, in every way, I am getting better and better. And people could just repeat that to themselves. It had the effect of uh, what John Lilly would have called programming the human biocomputer. 
Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Positive thinking, the new thought movement, it's very American. It's very much in alignment with William James' pragmatic philosophy. But the transcendentalist movement was a little more mystical than that. The Really, the godfather, I think, of American transcendentalism is Ralph Waldo Emerson. Well, he was known as a great essayist. He wrote essays. What people often don't know about Emerson is that he, in effect, channeled these essays. He would go into a kind of half-awake state, and as he put it, the brownies, the brownies did the writing for him. It was like automatic writing. He'd be half-awake, and he'd be just you know, the pen would be moving and he's not even thinking about it. It's coming from what you could call the superconscious mind. And his essays were very elegant, very uplifting. The American transcendentalists were also, to a large extent, very interested in the theology of the Church of the New Jerusalem, founded by the Swedish mystic, the uh, 18th century Swedish mystic, Emanuel Swedenborg, the Swedenborgian church. Now, it's not that the church itself was so different from any of the other churches that were around at the time, but that Swedenborg himself, the founder of the church, was a relatively contemporary figure. And that's what we began to see with Mary Baker Eddy and the Mormon Church and the Church of Religious Science and the Unity Church. It was a time in the 19th century, 18th century, when new religions were being founded here on the North American continent. It's interesting that that should happen. It's a sense of the of, of vitality of the human spirit that uh, these religions were being founded. And even today, in our so-called postmodern age, you still see new religions being founded. And what does that say about us? It says that our religious imagination is very fertile, that we're not going to simply accept what has been handed to us historically, but we're going to introduce a new creative element into the global religious heritage that uh, is the inheritance of every one of us. That's my viewpoint. I think I've made it clear on other occasions as well. Even though I consider myself a secular person, a secular Jew, I also believe that the great spiritual traditions of the entire planet are my inheritance and your inheritance. And, and as such, we have an obligation to study them, to understand our inheritance, but even more so, an obligation to interact creatively with that inheritance. And uh, the life of William James, who was, I've mentioned earlier uh, in a previous In Present segment, deserves repetition over and over again. What a role model he was, one of America's greatest philosophers, but more than that, the basically the founder, the father of experimental psychology in the United States and theoretical psychology in the United States. But more than that, even the founder 
of the academic or scientific study of religious and spiritual traditions. That's a lot for one man to have have done. That's one of the reasons I consider him a hero. Well, even more than all of that, he was one of the founders of the American Society for Psychical Research, a president of the Society for Psychical Research in England, and obviously one of the great creative thinkers in uh, American history, but a very important person for my field of parapsychology as, as well. So, uh, I'll be talking more about that as, as we go on. But for now, let me leave you with this thought. Given that, uh, as I've said, the world spiritual relig- religions and traditions are your inheritance, what are you going to do about that inheritance? How are you going to interact with the uh, global spiritual traditions? Does it make sense to you to even consider being open to that vast body of uh, not just literature, but music, art, uh, sculpture, architecture? (laughs) Religions have played such an enormous part in, in human culture. How do you plan to interact creatively with that inheritance? I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you once again for being with me.